Welcome to Classic Lutheran Preaching, C.F.W. Walther. C.F.W. Walther was a parish pastor, later professor and first president of Concordia Seminary in St. Louis, Missouri. He was also the first president of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. These sermons were preached from 1840 to 1870, predominantly in congregations of the St. Louis area. Unfortunately, we do not know the specific dates and locations of most of these sermons as they have been lost to time. These sermons were originally preached and published in German and translated by Donald Heck. They're available in two volumes from Concordia Publishing House, St. Louis, Missouri, cph.org. Thank you for listening. The fifth Sunday after Trinity, Luke 5, 1-11. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all, your friends in Christ Jesus. When a person becomes a Christian, he does not lay aside only this or that burden and take up one or the other virtue. He becomes an entirely new man in heart, spirit, mind, and in all his powers. A Christian is a child of God who has been born anew by the Holy Spirit. Though an infant is small and weak, he comes into the world a complete person. So a Christian, in the beginning, is weak, but he is not half a Christian and half a child of the world. He is a complete Christian. Christianity does not consist in doing a certain number of good works. It is a change of the whole man according to his thoughts, desires, words, and deeds. As difficult it as difficult as it often is to say that a certain person is a true Christian, so easy it is, on the other hand, to recognize from certain signs that someone can, as yet, not be a true Christian. This becomes clear not only when a person's whole life is wicked. A person often betrays this by a single deed, yes, a single word. It is true that in this life, no Christian be can become completely free of all sins and weaknesses. There are certain sins, however, alongside which true Christianity cannot possibly exist. A single sin can reveal that a person is not a true Christian, even if he has all the other marks of one. If, for example, it should happen that someone willfully sins, or that he does not want to confess a sin of which he is convicted, or stubbornly excuses it, or that he boldly opposes God's word, or that he is irreconcilable toward one who has offended him, or that he knowingly deceives someone in a business deal, is crooked, and the like. Though he otherwise lives like a saint, he most certainly is not a Christian. As little as there can be a hidden fire, so little can a Christian willfully sin constantly excuse or extenuate his sins, oppose God's word, be irreconcilable, or knowingly deceive someone, even for only a penny. Christ indicates this in the words, Either make the tree good and its fruit good, or make the tree bad and its fruit bad. Matthew twelve thirty three. For no good tree bears bad fruit, nor again does a bad tree bear good fruit. Luke six forty three. Christ means that as certainly as one recognizes the corrupt tree from its corrupt fruit, as certainly as one cannot take a plant on which one finds a thistle or for a vine or a fig tree, so certainly can one not consider him a true Christian 
who brings forth just one corrupt fruit of a non-Christian. Therefore, if one is surprised in only one manifest sin, he cannot say, Have I not otherwise been a true Christian? Should I be condemned because of one sin? This appears to be too harsh, but it is not. A single, willful, malicious deed, a single, out-and-out, godless word, is like the wolf's paw that peeps forth from underneath the sheep's clothing of a seemingly holy life. A non-Christian cannot conduct himself outwardly in a hundred instances like a true Christian, but a true Christian cannot even once conduct himself like a non-Christian. As little as it is possible that the fruits of a corrupt tree should actually be good fruit, so little is it possible that a good tree should bring forth corrupt fruit. True Christianity is not a single good fruit, but a new divine seed. A whole new tree grows up, full of the fruits of a new life. True Christianity, therefore, reveals itself in all the situations of life, even as we go about our earthly calling. Yes, that most often reveals whether a Christian has been called into the kingdom of God. Our earthly work is an important test of our Christianity. Today's Gospel points this out to us. Luke 5, 1-11. On one occasion, while the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of God, he was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, and he saw two boats by the lake, but the fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. Getting into one of the boats, which was Simon's, he asked him to put out a little from the land, and he sat down and taught the people from the boat. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, we toiled all night and took nothing, but at your word I will let down the nets. And when they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish, and their nets were breaking. They signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them, and they came and filled both the boats so that they began to sink. But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish that they had taken. So also were James and John, sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on you will be catching men. And when they had brought their boats to land, they left everything and followed him. So far our text. In the gospel just read, we find Peter busy at his earthly calling. From his example, we can learn how a true Christian and a non-Christian reveal themselves in their earthly calling. Permit me to present to you daily work, a test of our Christianity. It reveals who is a Christian, or how and why a Christian works, and it reveals who is a non-Christian, or how and why a non-Christian works. My dear hearers, I have stated that earthly work is a test of our Christianity. It reveals who is a Christian. I have already referred to the example of Peter. What do we see in him? We meet him in the midst of his work, as Christ was about to call him to preach his gospel. We also hear that he worked diligently, for he tells Christ that he had toiled the whole night. Finally, we see that he did not lose patience with his work, even when he had to work in vain. Although he had toiled the whole night and had taken nothing, 
He did not immediately resolve to give up his thankless and difficult calling as a fisherman and take up something more rewarding. We again find him in the morning with his companions, washing nets, preparing to carry on his daily work. Now is this perhaps how the Christian differs from the non-Christian? Not at all. Of course, the Christian will not be idle. He will work and work diligently and unflaggingly. He will not, without cease, leave his chosen calling. He will gladly remain in it and not skip about, sometimes doing this and sometimes that. He thinks of the word of the apostle, each one should remain in the condition in which he was called, 1 Corinthians 7.20. Although every Christian does this, a person can do that and still not be a Christian. Yes, a non-Christian can in his work and in his diligence, in his steadfastness, far surpass even a Christian. Well then, how does daily work clearly reveal that a person is a Christian? The first point which we notice in Peter's example is that, though he was very diligent, as soon as Jesus began to preach, he left his nets and greedily listened. When the people pressed him from every side, Peter let Christ use his small boat as his chancel. Finally, when Christ called him into the office of a fisher of men, he immediately left everything and followed him. You see, my friends, a true Christian does not make his earthly work the most important factor in his life. He places his heavenly calling above his earthly. He seeks, first of all, the kingdom of God and his righteousness. He does not let his temporal work keep him from caring for his soul. He would rather interrupt his temporal business than go without nourishing his soul with the precious word of God. No matter how diligently a Christian works, he must daily set aside time, which he uses for prayer and the study of the Word of God. No matter how faithfully he uses the working day for attending to his earthly calling, he does not, except in great emergency, let his daily work get the upper hand on Sunday, when he can hear God's Word with the congregation, call it, calling upon and praising God. He follows the proverb of our pious fathers, church going does not delay. In other words, a Christian does his earthly work with a mind directed toward his heavenly calling. We hear still more of Peter. When he cast his net into the sea and enclosed such a number of fish that the net tore, he did not praise his skill as a fisherman. He in no way ascribed his success to himself, his diligence, his wisdom, or his worthiness. No. He fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. He regarded the great success of his work only as a blessing of Christ, which he in no way deserved. He did not become proud, but most deeply humbled, torn from the world, and drawn closer to Christ. Here you have the second way. A person reveals himself as a true Christian in his daily work. A true Christian does not believe that he can support himself through his work through his diligence, through his wisdom. He expects his daily bread alone from God's fatherly faithfulness. He does not despair because of the fruitless work, but places his trust in God. He receives what he apparently earned by his work as a gracious gift of his heavenly Father. If his daily work prospers, he does not chain himself to it, but tears himself the more from it. He does not let himself be led away from Christ, but drawn the more to him. In one more way, Peter showed that 
before he became an apostle, he was already a follower of Christ, a true believer, a true Christian. When Christ had finished speaking, Luke relates in his gospel, he said to Simon, put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. What Christ commanded Peter to do was contrary to all rules of fishing. Experience had taught him that the best fishing is not in the depths of the sea, but close to the shore, not during the day, but at night. Now what does Peter do? We read, And Simon answered, Master, we toiled all night and took nothing, but at your word I will let down the nets. Here we learn the reason why Peter worked. He was not forced to, but otherwise he did not know how to support himself nor from greed, because he wanted to become rich, nor from ambition, because he wanted to make a name for himself, nor from a desire to work, because work gave him pleasure. The real reason, the real basis of his working, was the command of the Lord. At your word, he says, I will let down the nets. This, then, is the reason why all true Christians work, even if they are not compelled to work because they are rich even if they must often work for nothing for their neighbor, even if they have no prospect of ever becoming rich or well-to-do by working, even if they gain no honor before men, even if they must work at something which gives them no pleasure, even if their work is very hard and difficult, Christians still work. Their only reason is that this is God's arrangement, that God had commanded it, that in his word he said, By the sweat of your face you shall eat bread. Genesis 3. Christians therefore say daily, Master, at your word I will let down the nets. At your word I will go to work. You desire to have it so. You would have us not only pray, but also work. It is your will that everyone should serve his neighbor through work. And in this way you give everyone his daily bread. I joyfully do what? according to your will, is commanded me. Christians firmly believe that in all their work, even in the simplest and least, they please God. If they are employees, they do not work for pay, but to do the will of the Lord. They also believe that they serve not their fellow men, but the Lord Jesus Christ with their work. If Christians are employers or businessmen, they do not work in order to earn money, but to live in a station ordained by God and be useful to their neighbor. And blessed they are. By means of their temporal blessings, they walk so that they do not lose the eternal. They are faithful in temporal things and will someday hear the voice, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. Matthew 25, 21. Therefore, my dear hearers, with the hymn writer, sing, pray, and keep his ways unswerving. Perform thy duties faithfully, and trust his word, though undeserving. Thou yet shall find it true for thee. God never yet forsook in need the soul that trusted him indeed. We have now seen how work shows who a true Christian is. Let us now in the second place consider how this work reveals the non-Christian. Sad to say, there are too many who consider themselves good Christians simply because they work hard. They say, I work from morning to night. I do not take it easy. I earn my bread honorably and honestly. To each I give his share of my hard-earned money. 
Many poor people have received alms from me. No one will reproach me because of some great failing. Does that not make me a Christian? What particular evil do I do? I think that if I will not enter heaven, neither will many others. All who think such things are poor, blind people who do not really know what true Christianity is. Those who do not work but are idle, who, without being asked to do so, want to creep from house to house to preach to others, or who by speculation and crafty dealing earn money, are not Christians. They steal their time from God and their service from their neighbor. They eat bread which is not theirs. Their neighbor has to provide it for them through his work. To such false Christians who avoid work, the Apostle Paul says, If anyone is not willing to work, let him not eat. For we hear that some of you walk in idleness, not busy at work, but busy bodies. Now such persons we command and encourage in the Lord Jesus Christ to do their work quietly and to earn their own living. 2 Thessalonians 3. He also writes, Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands, so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. Ephesians 4. A Christian works so that he can share God's blessings on his work with the poor. Though a lazy person is not a Christian, yet a Christian and a diligent worker are not one and the same. Yes, a person can be a very diligent worker and not yet be a Christian. After he has tortured himself in this life, he has, in addition, eternal torment as his reward. Not the work itself, but how and why one works, reveals the Christian. It also reveals who is not a Christian. Many work so diligently that one would suppose that they were on earth only for the sake of work. They are so lost in their work that they can think little or not at all of the salvation of their immortal soul. They forget God's word in prayer. Even on the Lord's day, they work unnecessarily, as though they had no soul which must be fed, as though they had no God who wishes to be honored, as though there were no way to heaven which could be learned from God's word. Or, if they read in the Bible, at times pray in the morning and evening, yes, come to church, they do this with only half a heart. In the middle of the service, their heart is in their work and their business. They worry more about temporal than eternal things. They meditate more on how they want to get on in this world than how they can enter heaven. Obviously, they are not Christians, but fleshly, earthly-minded people who with their earthly work bury themselves ever deeper in the world and work themselves into hell. You who have seen yourself pictured here, awaken and arise from the dead and let Christ be your light. If you remain in this earthly mind, you will be lost. Begin to think of the salvation of your immortal soul. Tear yourself free from your work and the confusion of your earthly business and earnestly ask, What must I do to be saved? Acts 16.30 What will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what shall a man give in return for his soul? Matthew 16.26 I warn you, do not postpone your repentance. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Isaiah 55, 6. In order that no one may be falsely deluded into thinking that he is a Christian, while he is not, let us not only consider how, 
but also why he who is not a Christian works. I need only ask, why do most men work? If we ponder this question, we find that there are four main reasons why most are not idle. Why is there such a zealous running and chasing for work? Are most perhaps interested in God's command and the love of one's neighbor? Alas, no. The first and usual reason is that people work because they have to. Most people would work little or not at all, young people especially not, if they did not know that unless they worked, they would go hungry or they would not be compelled to work. A craftsman, a merchant, or a servant who works for that reason receives his reward in his work. They are not Christians, though they in other things may live as they wish. Where is the craftsman or merchant who works only for the sake of God and his neighbor and then waits for his bread from God? Where is the servant who wishes to serve the Lord and views his pay only as an additional gift? If this were the case, would they not seek out that work whereby they could serve their neighbor best? Yet, it is not a fact that families into which sickness and all sorts of other trouble have entered find it hard to get help. Yes, it is, not a, is it not a fact that those servants who wish to be Christians would, for the most part, rather work among the thoughtless children of the world than among earnest Christians? Alas, how many will someday be revealed as faithless workers and servants who did not think that they were? Others work because they are greedy. They are so zealous in their earthly calling because they can make money, build a house, heap up capital, capital, in a word, because they wish to become rich. If they could become that, through idleness, they would prefer idleness to work. They are little interested in a business which shows little profit. With their work, they do not seek to serve their neighbor but themselves. God's word says that a Christian should work and labor with his hands the thing which is good, that he may have to give to him who has need. But do not thousands who seek to enrich themselves at the expense of the needy turn that about? But they also have their rewards in their work. They fall into temptation and a snare, which drowns them in destruction and perdition. Others work because of a thirst for honor. This is true of the craftsman. It is especially the sin of the artist and the learned. With their work, they also do not want to serve God and man, but make a name for themselves. We are to be amazed at the products of their skill and knowledge. That is their object. If their work is successful, they do not ascribe it to God, but to themselves. They idolatrize themselves, and the sacrifice they bring is their work. But they have their reward. All their work is sin. They only heap to themselves the wrath of God, who resists the proud and gives grace only to the humble. Finally, others work because they get pleasure from their working. They say that they have been accustomed to work from their youth on. They could not live without work. Now, as commendable as it is to enjoy one's work, nevertheless, also the work of all who work only from natural pleasure and not from obedience toward God and love to his neighbor is sin in God's eyes. Oh, that all who are convinced that their whole attitude is wrong, that they still live for themselves, might look at themselves, and finally, 
to Christ. Bear in mind that Christ now calls you from the service of earthly things, the world and its vanities into his service. Oh, join Peter in forsaking everything to follow him. You will never regret it. Jesus grants his own a good life. Here he gives them everything they need without having to pine away because of sorrow and grief, and someday he gives them eternal life. For blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. Blessed indeed, says the Spirit, that they may rest from their labors, for their deeds follow them. Revelation 14.13 Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be and abide with you all. Amen. You've been listening to Classic Lutheran Preaching, CFW Walther. These sermons are available in two volumes as a part of Walther's Works, Concordia Publishing House, St. Louis, Missouri, cph.org. We thank you for tuning in, and we pray that God's Word has and will continue to be a great blessing in your life. You are listening to KNNALP 95.7 FM, Lincoln, Nebraska.